Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Happy Easter. Happy Easter, man. We're so excited that you're here. I want to say not only hello to you, but to everybody who's listening online to our podcast. We welcome you. Uh, Happy Easter to you all as well. Man, today is going to be a special day. How many of y'all have already hit your kids for the dad or parent tax of the candy? It's My kids know it's Reese's and Snickers. It's coming straight to dad. Go ahead and get it ready, right? Today, we're going to continue a series that we started last week. Uh, The series is called Seasons. And I was actually going to pause uh, the series and teach something standalone for Easter. You know, it's like, this is the Super Bowl for churches. This is our big weekend, right? And, uh, And the Holy Spirit was like, no, I want you to teach something unique that's inside the Seasons concept. I want you to tell people how to deal with spiritual winters. How to deal with times to where uh, there may be nothing visual to lean on, but we still have to press through in our faith. You see, in the state of Florida, we don't have a very good understanding of of, uh, winter, do we? Of course we don't. Uh, I I was uh, joking with the first service. Uh, Wendy and I agreed to go do a wedding for a friend over in New Orleans last February. And uh, my friend called me and he said, hey, man, he said, I'm going to be getting married in February. Would you come to New Orleans? And I was like, dude, New Orleans. I mean, yeah, you can call me in 20 second notice. I'm going to New Orleans. I love New Orleans. Good food, beignets. Come on, etouffee. Somebody said, amen. <laughs> well, um, got all excited. Well, he called me a couple weeks later and he goes, hey, uh, pastor said, I changed the venue. Will you still do the wedding? I said, well, yeah, man, you can do an RV. I don't care where you do it. I'll, I'll show up and we'll, we'll, we'll do the thing, right? And, uh, and he, says, uh, he says, I'll send you the details. I said, okay, no problem. A couple days go by and I get an email with the uh, uh, tagline, Buffalo, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. And almost instantly, I get a message from Wendy that says, Buffalo, question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Because they had copied her on the email. I said, Buffalo, I guess maybe they're changing what we're going to have to eat. Maybe New Orleans doing something new with buffalo meat. I got all excited. I thought, man, maybe we're going to have a little bison meat. You know, I've had bison burger. I wasn't too upset about it. No, they moved the wedding from New Orleans to Buffalo, New York in February. I don't know if you've ever been that far north in February, but you basically... Uh, jump out of an airplane at Niagara Falls and take two steps to the south and you're there. That's where Buffalo is. And it's freezing cold in February. Being from Florida, of course, I ain't got the clothes to wear. But I thought, you know, men, how, how do we do? It can't be that cold, right? It ain't that cold. I mean, they're from up north. They ain't got the skin we southerners have. It can't be that bad. So here's what I do with my genius self. Uh, I put on a pair of shorts, some tennis shoes. You know, when you fly on an airplane, man, there's not a lot of leg room. I like to be as comfortable as I can. Throw on a T-shirt. But I thought just in case it is that cold, I'm going to pack a Columbia fleece in my backpack so that when I get out of the airplane, I got something to throw on. I'm good, right? 
I'm hot natured. I'll be sweating to death up here teaching uh, the Bible here in just a second. So uh, we, they open the door of the airplane, and it sounds a little different than it normally does. When they open the door in Florida, it goes, <laughs> I'm used to that. They open the door in Buffalo, and it goes, <laughs> and the wind is blowing so hard outside that the gangway is doing this. And I kind of look out the door, I was like, that don't look right. You know, they need to, they need to somebody's tightening some bolts or something. Well, we walk off the plane, and mind you, there's about two inches of open air. And I stepped through that two inches of open air and knew immediately I had made a mistake. <laughs> and I run up that gangway like somebody's chasing me. I'm like, mm-mm, no, too cold. Well, we get up to the door, and I'm going to reenact for you exactly what happened when I walked outside. Are you ready for this? I'm going to give you my best uh, uh, reenactment of the moment. Now, I had put my fleece on. I stopped. The minute I got up the gangway, I said, mm -mm, I'm putting this jacket on. So I put my jacket on. We get down, and the vehicle coming to pick us up, they said, man, we're about 200 yards, uh, and you drive under the building in the airport. So there's like a wind tunnel of pain and punishment um, <laughs> that you got to step out into to get in your vehicle. So I'm like, I'm going to step outside and see if I can see them real quick. And so immediately I walked out like this and went, mm-mm. And I ran back inside and Wendy goes, did you not see them? I said, I don't care if I see them or not. I'm not going back out there. They're going to have to back the truck inside and put me in it and then we can go. It's too dadgum cold out there. I'm talking about it was nasty cold. And the truth is, is that we're kind of spoiled in Florida. We're kind of spoiled. Everybody said amen to that. Wendy got up this morning and was like, mm, it's too cold this morning. It was 45 degrees. It was because you never know what to wear. You don't know what to wear this time of year, right? So winter is a very unique concept to us Floridians, right? People come to Florida to get away from winters. Uh, when I went to Buffalo, I, I came to an understanding there are people who have to experience cold and winter unlike we ever have to experience. It's a true story. You would drive through neighborhoods and never see a house because there'd be eight to 10 foot snow drifts on both sides of the road. And so you were just like driving in giant caverns of snow and somebody would jump out and say, you're here. That's the only way you knew where you were going. You couldn't see addresses. You couldn't see tops of houses. You couldn't see anything. Another thing they have up there is they have heaters that make your skin crack like pork rinds. See, I've been dehydrated in the heat. I ain't never been dehydrated from it being so cold. I'm telling you, they got an understanding of winter unlike you and I can really fathom. Well, it's also that way too, as I transition into my sermon, there are also seasons of spiritual winter that most of us have been through and we just didn't know how to label it. We didn't know how to organize it spiritually. We didn't know how to move through it. And see, just like me running, literally running, I left Wendy, uh, running from the airport to the vehicle. So it's better just to push through those times and those winter seasons spiritually, but we don't know how long they last. I knew how long I had from the airport to the van to get in, about 20 yards. But our spiritual winters, we truly don't know how long they're going to last. There are times to where it feels like over and over and over again, we just get knocked down spiritually. 
and it stays cold and we're alone and it seems like God's not there. But can I tell you, in times like that, it's imperative that we don't go on how we feel. We lean on the promises of the scripture. Now, today I want to talk to you about a unique time in the Bible. It's in John chapter 20. If you want to go ahead and open your word there, go ahead. Uh, John chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 1, where they experienced a three-day winter. A three-day winter. You know, in Florida, we are blessed. Um, When I first moved here, um, my neighbor uh, down in Santa Rosa Beach said, hey, so make sure you bag up all of your seeds. Don't just uh, don't just throw them out because they'll grow. And I said, do what now? And he goes, yeah. He goes, if you take watermelon seeds, put them in a Ziploc bag before you throw them away because if, if it busts and them seeds find their way to the ground, it'll grow. I thought he was joking. No, it's really true. Florida is perfect for growing certain fruits and vegetables. You literally were climate 8B. It is a perfect environment for growing certain citrus, certain vegetables, certain fruits. Uh, And it is so perfect, in fact, it can grow without your help. Can I tell you, there are times spiritually that it seems like no matter what we do, we're hitting home runs. There are times that it feels like no matter what we do, the presence of God is just always with us. There are times that we feel, man, we're just, we're just batting a thousand. We just feel like that God's always with us. But then it seems like over time, and maybe because of decisions of our own, or, 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 or maybe it's just because we get busy, I, you can pick the reason why, we end up finding our place to where the season has shifted from the lush, overwhelming season of God's goodness to where now... It is a cold, bitter loneliness that we cannot feel God anywhere. And today I want to tell you just a quick story that's found in John chapter 20, where uh, a few people that love Jesus found themselves in that season. Uh, let's, let's read in John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. We're going to read to verse 10. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. Let me, let me kind of give you what's going on up to this point. It says the first day of the week, that's Sunday. It's a day just like today. They had seen Jesus crucified on Friday. They wrapped his body. They followed the traditions of the Hebraic law. They anointed his body. They pra- placed him in a borrowed tomb. And on Saturday, they would visit. On Saturday night, they would visit. And on Sunday morning, they would visit. But now, Sunday morning, something had changed. On Sunday morning, they realized that the the tomb had been removed from the entrance. The stone had been rolled away. And it says, so she, Mary Magdalene, came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. I wonder who's writing this, by the way. This is hilarious. John's writing is always so savage. He says, he says, and she came to Simon Peter and the one Jesus liked more than anybody in the whole wide, wide world. Got you, John. We know who we're talking about. He says, um, she says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. She's panicking. And so Peter, you know, tough Peter, the one who would walk on water, the one who would try to split the head of the Roman centurion, the, the one who was always just you know, on point and ready to take care of problems for Jesus, he jumps up and the Bible says, and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, you know, the one Jesus really, really, really loved, he outran Peter and he reached the tomb first. 
Yeah, little man complex. <laughs> Says he, he bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, still going, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. A lot of times this context of this, of this Scripture is, is misunderstood. When it says they believed they did not believe that he had been raised from the dead. They believed what Mary had told them. That someone had stolen the body of Jesus. Well, if you've ever lost a loved one, you know that there is a certain peace of knowing that that person has been laid to rest. This is something that we do in our traditions and our cultures and many other cultures where we lay the remains of the deceased in a tomb, in a grave, uh, urn, whichever your family may choose. But we know where the remains of the person are so that it might bring a bit of solace to us just to be around their remains. Can I tell you that this was a really dark day because Mary had watched the crucifixion. But even go back before the crucifixion, she had been with Jesus day in and day out. You see, it was Jesus who cleansed her of the seven evil spirits. Nobody else could give her that kind of freedom. So now, in his death, she found a little bit of solace in going to where they laid his body, but now on the third day, something had changed. Winter had gone from winter to worse. Have you ever had a season like that? To where you think, ah, oh, it can't get any worse, and then it just ratchets up a little bit, and you're like, come on, man, when's it going to stop? And then you get up the next day, and you're like, the sun's going to shine again. It's like, not today. And then another bill comes in. Or another report from a doctor comes in. Or maybe another friend has another negative thing to remind you is going on. And you just feel like wave after wave after wave of winter is coming against you. That's where Mary's at. It's not enough that I had to watch him be mocked in the Sanhedrin. It's not enough that I watched them rip his beard from his face. It's not enough that I watched them flog him 39 times not enough that I watched them put the crown of thorns on his head. It's not enough that they marched him through town as the same people that blessed him now spat on him. They nail him to a cross. Is it not enough? Wave after wave after wave crashing into Mary emotionally. I'm sure she thought it can't get any worse than this. The Bible says on the first day of the week, just like today on Sunday, she goes just to be close to the person who had loved her like no one else. 
just to get a little bit closer to the one who had loved her soul. And now they had taken his body. Can I tell you, sometimes winters can be unrelenting. Spiritual winters are just rough. And you see, our spiritual winters, it's imperative that we understand that to everything there is a season. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us that. There are going to be days, I don't care how faithful you are. I don't care how super saved you are. I don't care how holy your Facebook page looks. (laughs) Baby, you're going to hit a stretch to where you just don't feel God. And can I tell you, that's okay. The fact that you don't feel him does not change him. You see, there's three things I want to give you this morning on how to identify life's winters. There's three points. How do we identify when we're in one of life's winters spiritually? Number one, things seem worse than they even appeared. Mary went to be next to the dead body of Christ, and they had taken his body. I'm sure Mary thought, can it get any worse than this? to see everything I saw, and now I can't even come and worship at the dead body of my Savior? They have stolen everything from me spiritually. I have nothing left. It's a horrible thing to go from bad to worse, isn't it? A horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. Number two, how do we identify we're in a spiritual winter when what you seek is nowhere to be found? John chapter 20, verse 2, she says they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't even know where they've put him. You see, the source of her hope for the past few years, the source of the joy, the source of the healing, the source of the restoration, the source of her freedom had been Christ and now he's gone. Friend, I tell you, there's seasons to where it feels like all hope can be lost. There's times to where it seems like no matter how hard we pray, no matter how hard we worship, no matter, it just may seem like we're not making connection. You may be here and maybe you haven't reached out to God in a while and you've been living in a winter. Can I tell you that God loves you? And he wants to step into that winter and let his light shine a warmth on you and to remind you of his loving kindness. Point number three. Identifying life's spiritual winters when even the people around you start to believe that all hope is gone. You got these people in your life? I hope you don't. John chapter 20, verse 8, and finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. When the naysayers start circling like buzzards. You ever had a day like that? Seems like everybody you talk to had something negative to say. It normally starts out with something like this. Just calling to check on you. (sighs) Girl, I know. Life's hard, ain't it? Well, you know, you're really lucky to have it in the first place. 
Well, you know, they just, sometimes people just die. Well, the Lord just picked another rose. You ever been around these people? And it always ends with something like this. Well, I'll call you tomorrow and we'll do this again. No, thank you. I know I'm in a winter without you telling me how cold it is. You know what would help me in a time like this? Instead of you coming and reminding me of the things I don't have, why don't you remind me of the promises I can stand on? I know what I'm lacking. I know what I'm missing. I know when I'm spiritually anemic. I feel that. That's why it's imperative that the right people surround you at the right time. It's imperative. People are like, oh, buzzards. Well, brother, you just count the blessings you still got, I guess. You can shut up with all that. No, I'm being serious. When I'm going through something, you come and you lift me with your words. Don't perch up on my shoulders with the weight of your junk. Encourage me with the word. Remind me of the promises. Remind me of the covenants. Can I tell you that no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on, no matter what is shaking around you, the word of God will not change. So, including our special friends, the Debbie Downers, the Negative Nancys, the downtrodden Deontes. <laughs> Y'all got one too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do we overcome winters? How do we overcome that season when it just doesn't feel like anything we're doing is connecting? We're praying, we're doing everything we, we think we know to do, and it's just, how do, you, how do you feel God in a time to where it seems like he can't be found? How? How is Mary staring at an empty tomb supposed to proceed with the hope that she had yesterday, knowing that the God that she served is unapproachable today? She can't find him. You see, sometimes God will change where he is in our life to get us to change our perspective of who he is. It's a beautiful picture. Point number one, how do we overcome the winter seasons of life? Number one, take another look. I don't care what you saw last time. Take another look. I don't care what it looked like in the tomb yesterday. I don't care what it looked like this morning. Give him another chance. Take another look. John chapter 20 verse 11 says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She was counting everything she had lost. But even as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb just one more time. Friend, you are here 
and you have given this thing a look. You have given this faith a gander. But the Spirit of the living God is calling you to give it one more look. One more look. One more look can change everything. Another look can give you all the hope you've ever dreamed for. Another look, a fresh perspective, can I tell you, it can change everything for you. You see, here's what happened. Mary, in her weepingness, in her winter moment, she took another look. She took one more drop of faith, the last drop she had, and she invested it back into the kingdom. And she looked back into the borrowed tomb, and there, two angels, one where his head was and one where his feet would have been, signifying that from top to bottom, the work was finished. And now Mary, certainly flabbergasted, is staring at these angels. And I love what the angels say. They're so adequate. Why are you crying, woman? <laughs> Somebody needs to take some etiquette classes. Not, dearest lady, why dost thou cry? <laughs> we can't even get that. We can't get no Shakespeare at that moment. What you crying for, lady? And she says, I don't know. I, I, I came here looking for Jesus, and he's not here. He's not here. And here's the beautiful picture, is when you take another look, here's what you're going to find. That what you thought was dead spiritually may have been in a season of hibernation and been growing. Here's what you find. You find that what had been buried had really been planted and it has been germinating and growing and building so that you can be more effective spiritually. You see, I can't come to somebody in a winter if I've never been in a winter. You see, I boast all the more in my weaknesses so that I can reach people who are in a weakness. It's a beautiful thing to understand that when we go through life and we see moments where we can't see God, where maybe we can't know what he's doing, maybe, we, maybe he does his best work in the dark. He does his best work in the dark. You see, from Mary's perspective, they had stolen the body. But from heaven's perspective, the freedom of billions was being secured. Take another look. Nudge your neighbor and say, take another look. Now bump your other neighbor and say, take another look. <laughs> I want to remind you, take another look. Point number two, how do we overcome the winter seasons of life? We fix our focus on Jesus. That's all she had come to do after all. She could not lay her eyes on his body. She at least wanted to be close. And John chapter 20, verse 11 through 16 is one of those beautiful stories in all of scripture. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb where she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body 
had been. One at the head, the other at the foot, and they ask her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around. At this, she turned around. Sometimes we just got to have the strength to turn it around. Sometimes we just got to have the strength to keep looking. If it don't look right this way, take another look another way. She turned her head and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, he said, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking that he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. You see, at that moment, Mary could have cried out any adjective. She could have said, Jehovah. She could have said, Yahweh. She could have said, Jesus. She could have said, the Prince of Peace. She could have said, the bright morning star. She could have yelled out any wonderful adjective and it would have applied. But why did she cry out, teacher? Because with that one mention of her name, he had taught her how to persevere in the winters of life. She said, teacher. It changed everything. And how beautiful is it that the first person to see the resurrected Christ with someone in a winter season. You see, I see Jesus today. I got up this morning. I've been praying for every one of y'all before you ever got up this morning. You can go check. I was telling people happy birthday on Facebook at 3 o'clock this morning. <laughs> Why? Because I was up praying. And here's what I was praying. I was saying, Lord, just like you said, Mary, will, will you begin to call some names out today? Will you begin to speak out names? Samuel, Amy, will you begin to speak out names like Christy, Liz, JJ? Will you begin to just reveal your loveliness that you are not some dead idol that we seek in a tomb. If we're looking in the direction of that which is dead, we will miss him altogether. He's not with the things that are dead. He's with the things that are alive. And so today, you may be here and the reason why you can't find Christ is because you've been around something dead so long. 
that your perspective has got to shift before you're even going to see him. Oh, but baby, he'll call your name. And I believe he's going to call your name today. I need everybody to stand up on your feet before we get out of here. So how do we, how do we navigate through the winters of life? First, we have to acknowledge that all the winter season is, is another opportunity for growth. You see, the trees, most of the ones we have in Florida, they lose all their leaves and that's where they take their nourishment from. But during the winter months, what's happening is that the root system is growing deeper and wider and is finding nourishment in new areas. You see, that's what a winter season is built for. So that we learn to find new places of nourishment. And if you're in a season of spiritual winter, all God is saying is, seek me that I may be found and I'll nourish you in a way that maybe we haven't connected before. But there are some of you who have never had the goodness of God to nourish you. And it's you I'm coming for today. So I've got a few questions real quick. If you know Jesus and you know without a shadow of a doubt, I mean, you got it locked in, baby. You don't have to ask no questions today. If you were to drop dead right where you're sitting and you know that heaven is your home, if that's you, raise your hand. Praise God. Saints all over the place. All right. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, I got to chat with you just for a quick second. Why? Is it because you don't want to? Or maybe it's been winter so long in your life that you don't know what the sun looks like. You see, the Son of God wants to reveal himself to you today in such a lovely way. You see, the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Everything he went through on Holy Week and throughout the week, even the cross, was for you. All of it was for you. So that today you could make a decision to firm up your faith and your eternity. So I ask you, with every head bowed, no eye looking around, simple question. If you don't know him, or you're not 100% sure that you know him and you want me to pray with you today. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. If that's you today and we're going to pray together, if that's you, raise your hand. Praise God, I see you. Praise God, I see you. Come on. Come on. Don't hesitate. Praise God, I see you. Praise God, I see you. Where else? I'm not going to rush this. I've been prepping all week for this very moment. God bless you, I see you. God bless you, I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, Pastor, it's been winter. It's been lonely and I'm tired of being alone. I need a God to walk with me. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? I'm not going to rush it. Gotcha. God bless you. Thank you. I want everybody saint 
believer, new believer, you just raised your hand, you didn't raise your hand. Either way, I want everybody to repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Easter. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I recognize you as my Savior. I ask you now to recognize me as your child. I receive your sacrifice. I believe that you died. I believe that you were resurrected. And I thank you for that today. I thank you again for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look up here, look up here, look up here. If you prayed that prayer and you really want to make a change, here's what I want you to do. At the end of service, my prayer team will be right here to my left, you're right. Just let them know. If you don't want to come up here, let one of our ushers know. Find somebody and let them know. And here's why. So that we can pray with you. We can check on you. Man, we're not going to harass you, but we can equip you with the things that you need to truly navigate this winter that you've been walking through. Can I tell you one last thing? God loves you. Man, does he love you. My goodness, he loves you. I want you all to have the best winter. Can I put a blessing on you before I send you out? Come on, Father, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Whatever we lay our hand to, Father, you're going to bless it and increase it. I pray, Lord, you'd bring us back next week with more wisdom and more of your word locked away in our hearts. And we'll give you the praise for it. Bless them as they go. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care, and God bless.